0: And now introducing Mr. Keith Lanton. Hi, good morning. First uh, opportunity to uh, get together in September morning. Today's September 5th. I hope uh, Labor Day weekend was enjoyable for all. Some really nice weather here on the uh, East Coast in New York. Got a lot to uh, discuss uh, this uh, Tuesday morning. Uh, Financial markets uh, getting back to work after uh, the summer and uh the labor day vacation uh lots of uh kids uh getting back to uh school full time so uh lots uh lots to uh digest as uh, we close out 2023 this morning what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about uh rising stock market in the face of rising inflation how uh what was uh, contrary to lots of uh, expectations uh, with uh rising Inflation, the expectation is that we would uh, typically see a falling stock market, at least that's what uh, investors uh, often uh, associate with rising inflation. Um, We'll talk about why the markets may have uh, gone up in the face of this rising uh, inflation, as well as why there may be risks going forward now that uh, we're starting to see uh, inflation peak and uh, come down. Um, We'll talk about the Federal Reserve meeting uh, next week, making their decision on interest rates. Barron's talking about uh, events uh, last week, uh, what's going on in the month of September, how the month of S- September has historically uh, been for uh, for equity investors. And then Brad will uh, speak to us about the bond market and uh, perhaps uh, help us uh, understand uh, what's taking place here in uh, fixed income where we're seeing uh, some rising uh, interest rates, uh, despite the fact that we had a uh, fairly uh, friendly, uh, to say, very friendly uh, inflation uh, numbers uh, as it uh, as uh, it applies to the uh, the job market. Uh, yet here we are this morning seeing uh, bond yields pick up. So backing ourselves up uh, to the talk about inflation tying it all together. Article in uh, Barrons, which was a uh, op-ed piece, opinion piece uh, by uh, Stephen Dover, and uh, what he talked about uh, was the Fed rate hikes were supposed to kill. Corporate profits and why they didn't. So, as I started uh, discussing, uh, conventional thinking is that inflation is a negative for the stock market. After all, it causes interest rates to rise, causing consumers to pause, raises the cost of service debt, and uh, causes uh, price earnings multiple contraction as future earnings are discounted back at a higher rate, thus making future earnings less valuable. Now, this did occur in a segment of the market, but not in the entire market. This occurred in the most aggressive speculative stocks uh, that are participants in the overall market. We saw the IPO market uh, dry up, um, and these stocks that are reliant upon uh, future earnings, as well as uh, debt, as well as valuations from private equity and hedge fund investors, uh, those, those situations did fall back to earth. And that sector of the market uh, certainly was out of favor. Um, IPOs uh, became virtually non-existent. private equity slowed meaningfully. Uh, real estate investment trust REIT valuations uh, declined, and we saw a big slowdown uh, in funds getting plowed into uh, into some of the uh, REIT investment funds. However, companies with strong fundamentals uh, bucked the trend. Now, why did that happen? Well, if you think back. The economy has changed in important ways in the last uh, 15 to 20 years, especially post-financial uh, crisis. So if you go back to 2007 and 2009, that, uh, that time period, since then, household debt as a share of gross domestic product has fallen by nearly a third. Credit standards have tightened with fewer households at risk. As a result of uh, the increase in interest rates and fewer households are borrowing as much as they did going into 2007 to 2009, partly because the banks won't lend to them and partly because a lot of uh, investors uh, learn their lessons of, uh, of overextending themselves um, during the uh, financial crisis. In addition, in addition, mortgage borrowing has reverted to conventional 30-year fixed-rate mortgages away from floating rate or adjustable rate mortgages. As a result, the lags between the Fed's short rate hikes and debt servicing costs in the household sector have lengthened. So uh, perhaps uh, the effects have been delayed um, as a result of the fact that uh, households have uh, insulated themselves to a greater extent than they previously have been in past financial cycles. Also, there has been another interesting debt development underway. Rising interest rates have not have had any meaningful impact yet on corporate profitability. Just as for the household sector, the financial crisis unleashed significant changes in the way companies borrow. Companies have reduced their overall debt in the same way households have. Specifically, companies now rely less on short-term borrowing, such as commercial paper or bank loans. Instead, they are turning to public and private credit instruments with longer maturities and fixed terms. The commercial paper market has shrunk from 2.2 trillion in 2007 to 1.2 trillion as of early August 2023. In the same span, U.S. investment grade and high yield debt markets have grown from 2.1 trillion to 7.8 trillion and from 700 billion to 1.2 trillion respectively. And these borrowings are typically, as I mentioned, at fixed rates and at average maturities that range from 4 to 10 years. So these effects have lengthened the time it takes for corporate debt servicing costs to rise when the Fed raises rates. And that's not all. The most recent data for the second quarter of 2023 earnings season shows companies across many sectors are reporting falling net interest costs despite higher rates at all maturities. How is that possible? Well, Mr. Uh, Dover... Uh, suggests that part of the answer here may be in the inverted yield curve with short-term rates above long-term rates. So companies with strong fundamentals are enjoying high cash balances based on resilient earnings as well as prudent capital spending. Therefore, they are enjoying higher interest revenues by parking their money in short-dated notes while their longer-term borrowing has locked in low-interest costs. The corporate sector, in sum, has been playing an inverted yield curve to its benefit. That is a contributing factor to explain why for virtually every sector in the S&P 500, except consumer staples and healthcare, net interest expense as a percentage of net profits is lower today. That's net interest expense as a percentage of net profits lower today than it was 20 years ago. Indeed, for the S&P 500 as a whole, net interest expense as a percentage of net profits is only about 40% of the 2003 level. So some reasons why, at least for the time being, perhaps there is a lagged effect and why the rise in inflation has been beneficial to uh, corporate America with strong, again, with strong fundamentals. We talked about there's certainly sectors out there that have been dramatically impacted, and this is causing a big have and have not effect in the financial markets. In addition, Wall Street Journal today talking about how slowing inflation can hit corporate profits. Um, In other words, why rising inflation in the past may have helped corporate profits. Some additional thoughts, additional reasons uh, to uh, put into your uh, thought process. So one of the reasons why uh, these rising inflation has been beneficial uh, to corporate profits, the journal suggests, is that the cost that companies are able to charge for their goods and services has risen faster than their labor costs. Now, this is something that is starting to reverse. Um, in the second quarter of last year, employment costs were up 4.5 percent. Consumer prices were up 4.1 percent. But if you go back a quarter or two, you were seeing inflation running at 9 percent, and you were seeing uh, you were seeing uh, labor costs only up about four to four and a half percent as well. Uh, obviously, a big uh, tailwind to corporate profitability. Another factor helping companies is that uh, companies were booking their profits against inventory that had a lower cost. What do we mean by that? Companies were enjoying fatter profit margins because they had already produced goods and services 6 to 12 months ago. Those products are sitting in their warehouses. Most companies uh, use FIFO accounting. Um, excuse me, they use LIFO account. FIFO, yes, FIFO accounting. Most companies use FIFO accounting first in, first out. So what that means is goods and services that were produced 6 to 12 months ago that are going out the door now are being booked against prices that have been marked up recently as a result of the fact that uh, companies have been raising prices. So the companies have been raising their prices, but the goods and services that they're selling are reflective of their costs 6 to 12 months ago in some cases, and therefore they are experiencing higher profit margins. Unfortunately as a result of this FIFO accounting what's happening now is things are starting to reverse the goods and services that they have uh, now in inventory are at the higher cost to them and they are not able to increase the prices as much as they were in the past so you're going to see margins uh, start to uh, compress from these elevated levels also companies have uh, gotten the benefit of uh, the benefits of the fact that uh, their capital expenditures are based on the cost of the goods and services and equipment that they've purchased um, in the past, and they depreciate that going forward. So you bought a uh, a new machine uh, a year or two ago, and you depreciate that over its lifetime, let's say, five years. Uh, the fact that that machine now is going to cost a lot more to replace in a few years from now is not being factored into the current metrics. So the fact that you bought that machine at a good price relative to prices today um, is helping earnings today, but it is not taking into account the fact that uh, in a few years, you're going to have to replace that machine. And if costs hold, you're going to have to replace that machine at a higher price. Uh, therefore, you're getting the betting for your buck or the benefit of the fact that uh, this capital expenditure is reflective of old prices. So all these things at the at the moment contributing to higher profitability for some of the best and strongest companies uh, in the U.S. as a result of inflation, counterintuitive to what we may think. Um, but uh, also to be mindful that these trends may reverse um, as uh, as we start to see uh, inflation slow down um, in the future. So some of the reasons why uh, inflation has actually been helping corporate America. All right, let's move on to what's going on uh, this morning in financial markets. Um, right now we are seeing uh, S&P futures uh, down uh, modestly this morning. Dow futures now down about 50 points. S&P futures down 125 half. NASDAQ futures down about 68 points uh, this morning. Uh, equity uh, futures are seeing some of this uh, pressure from uh, some of the large-cap stocks, which have been driving the markets higher, uh, sporting uh, pre-open losses. Um, also, we are seeing uh, rising interest rates this morning, and uh, that weighing on uh, some of the uh, equity prices as well. Uh, the two-year yield is up five basis points to a 4.92. The 10-year is up five basis points to a 4.22. And the 30-year also a five basis points to about a 4.33. So uh, everything from two years out is up about five basis points uh, in yield. Um, in, on Friday, we got the uh, employment report. The report looked uh, to show uh, a Goldilocks-type scenario. Initially, the bond market rallied. Uh, later in the day, it sold off. Uh, volume was light. and Now we're getting some follow-through uh, this morning. Uh, This morning, Goldman Sachs lowered its U.S. recession probability to 15% from 20%, perhaps uh, attributing to some of the strength in the bond market as uh, the market uh, expects uh, uh, more expansion and less probability of recession. Uh, The Reserve Bank of Australia left its cash rate unchanged at 4.1%. Overseas, China's uh, services PMI decelerated again in August, coming in at its lowest level of the year. In Australia, their services PMI remained in contraction for the second consecutive month, and in the eurozone, services PMI readings for August confirmed a renewed uh, contraction in activity. Taking a look at markets in uh, Asia, they began uh, Tuesday on a mostly lower note. Um, markets uh, down anywhere from uh, 0.1% to uh, about uh, 2% for the uh, Hang Seng. Uh, eight major European indices are trading near their flat lines. Uh, some news this morning. New York Times is reporting that North Korean leader Kim Jong-un uh, will discuss possibility of supplying weapons uh, to Russia with uh, Vladimir Putin. Um, Wall Street Journal reporting that President Biden and Donald Trump are tied at 46% in 2024 election polling as 48% of voters believe the economy had gotten worse over the last two years, including large majorities of independents. Wall Street Journal, Chinese developer Country Garden Holdings, uh, one of the big property developers that's been weighing on pressures in China, um, has narrowly avoided default. Um, Reuters reporting that China is going to launch a new $40 billion fund to boost their chip industry. Journal Journal. Uh, reporting that Russia will not rejoin the Ukraine grain deal until its demands are met. Uh, this following uh, discussions between uh, Vladimir Putin and uh, President Erdogan of Turkey. And uh, also uh, the Times uh, talking about uh, the UAW, United Auto Workers, uh, looking more likely that uh, they will strike against the uh, big three automakers. Uh, there are two weeks left uh, to negotiate a contract before uh, they say they will uh, go out on strike. In uh, company news, um, Oracle, ORCL, upgraded to overweight from equal weight at Barclays. American Express uh, up about half of a percent. It was upgraded to outperform from SEC to perform at RBC. Um, Blackstone is going to uh, be joining the S&P 500, replacing uh, Lincoln National, uh, effective uh, prior to the open of trading on Monday, September 18th. Um, also, Airbnb, ABNB is going to be joining the S&P 500. It's up about 5.5%, um, replacing Newell brand symbol NWL. Separately, Airbnb in the news today. Today's the day in New York City that if uh, you want to utilize Airbnb, if your building allows you to, um, that you need to uh, register it um, with the city. And there are reports that there is a, a big backlog of license requests amid the new regulations. Uh, leading to lots of confusion and frustration, that's according to uh, Bloomberg. Next Gen Healthcare, symbol NXGN, is in advanced talks with Thomas Bravo uh, for a buyout, so some private equity uh, still uh, still taking place. Um, and uh, Disney, symbol DIS, uh, relatively unchanged this morning, uh, as they are urging uh, Spectrum, uh, CHTR, stock symbol customers, to watch Hulu, As they have an ongoing dispute between Disney and uh, Spectrum users, Uh, Disney uh, pulling their uh, cable channels from uh, Spectrum's network amid a uh, dispute over uh, payments uh, for uh, renegotiation of contracts, uh, how much uh, Disney will get paid by Spectrum uh, for Spectrum to uh, enjoy carrying Disney channels. Moving on to uh, Barron's, Um, Barron's uh, in the trader column. Um, she talks about uh, the August jobs report showing that the uh, labor markets are cooling, and that may persuade the Fed to pause. Uh, the uh, jobs report for uh, August was about as good as you can get, they said. It's uh, very uh, um, indicative of a Goldilocks report. Yet on Friday, the S&P barely budged, but it did finish the week up 2.5%. The Dow finished the week up 1.4%, and the NASDAQ was up three and quarter percent last week. Barron saying those gains make sense given the numbers. U.S. government data on Friday showed a larger-than-expected gain of 187,000 non-farm payrolls in August, but significant downward revisions for the previous two months, totaling 110,000 fewer jobs than initially reported, pulled a three-month average job growth near 150,000. That is below February of 2020, so below the pre-COVID levels. Unemployment rate jumped to 3.8% from 35 Labor force participation rose 0.2% for its first increase since March, and even the monthly gain in average hourly earnings slowed while average hours worked rose. Put it all together, and the picture is decidedly encouraging. The labor market continues to rebalance in a healthy direction. The U.S. economy is still adding jobs. The unemployment uptick was due to an increase in labor supply, not mass layoffs. And for employers, there are now more workers available per open position. And wage pressures are abating, um, Barron saying even the Federal Reserve should be happy. For stocks, the data and setup suggest more gains in the near term, at least through the September Fed meeting. Bond yields could drift lower, as we're seeing this morning, as the market prices out Fed hikes, reversing uh, more of August move higher, which weighed on stocks uh that process uh did begin uh last week the 2 year note uh, did close friday at uh, 487 it's now up to 491 but it began last week at a 505 um so perhaps some of the weakness in the bond market is undoing a little bit of the rally that uh that took place especially on the short end um investors now have more reason to think that august surge in treasury yields was an echo of 2022 And the last gas was something old instead of something new, uh, said David Russell, uh, the global head of market strategy at TradeStation. He went on to say continued easing in yields could help feed the Goldilocks narrative and comparisons to the 1994-1995 soft landing. Next potential market-moving data will be the August Consumer Price Index to be released on September 13th, just before the Fed meeting. Investors and policymakers will be watching for confirmation that an easing labor market is showing up in the form of less pricing pressure on inflation. It could be a messy report because commodities did rally over the summer, which could push up headline CPI figures. So let's talk about September. We've made it, as we said here this morning, um, post-Labor Day. We've made it to September, um, but uh, September is typically a challenging month for some financial markets. Uh, stocks have typically been negative um, in September, and they've been negative for three years in a row. In fact, uh, if uh, if you look back, uh, September is uh, by far and away historically, uh, since 1945, the worst month for equity markets. Um, on average, since 1945, post-World War II, the S&P has dropped an average of 1.1%, the only month to average a loss greater than 0.13%. But Barons goes on to say September doesn't have to be awful, and history suggests this year might be one of the better ones. The last time the last time the s and p had a three September losing streak, which is what we're in the midst of now, going back uh, the last three years, the s and p has been down each of the last three Septembers. Um, the last time that happened was two thousand and fourteen to two thousand and sixteen. Um, and when that has happened, um it followed with a winning streak. So perhaps uh, the three, uh, consecutive week's September's we've had will now, uh, show that we are going to have a better September, uh, this year. Um, also, even better perhaps is when the S&P has posted a gain of between 10 and 20% through August, like it has this year. It has averaged a gain of 7.6% for the rest of the year, according to Bank of America. That suggests the S&P could close the year at 48.50, um, which would be a new high for the index. Finally, I will mention uh, one stock and then uh, turn things over to uh, Brad to uh, give us some more insights. Um, So one growth company that Barron's uh, did speak uh, favorably on is uh, On Sneakers, um, also known as uh, On Holdings. The symbol of On Holdings is Oscar November, Oscar November, so uh, On On. Um, On Holdings uh, makes uh, sneakers that are easy to spot. Nearly all of On Holding's models sport perforated soles, uncluttered designs, and a stacked letter logo that sets them apart from Nike, Adidas, and other sneaker maker offerings. The company's patented cloud tech cushioning uh, quickly attracted celebrities like uh, Roger Federer. Uh, OnStock became red hot as well, jumping 70% since the start of the year to around $29 per share. Fleet-footed investors, though, Barron says, can still get on on the trend thanks to recent pullback in the shares. Uh, Concerns about inventories, high marketing expenses, and lackluster guidance overshadowed an earnings beat and a guidance raise. Uh, Shares fell 14% on August 15th. On closer review, Barron says it's unclear what the shares are being punished for. There was nothing particularly concerning, they said, about earnings. Uh, Certainly not inventory, they said, which reflects attempts to meet demand uh nor marketing expenses um which uh, they say were put in place uh, to ensure that demand stays strong in fact uh this is all typical for on which uh, fell nearly 10% after reporting first quarter earnings that proved to be a a buying opportunity and Barron's feels that this drop will also be a buying opportunity on reported sales of uh 507 million US dollars during the second quarter up 52% from the previous year and ahead of analyst expectations of $475 million. Profit margins expanded to 59.5% from 55.1%, helped by easing freight costs. Earnings did take a rare dip, but are expected to resume growth, they say, in the quarters ahead. Investors were particularly focused on Ons inventory, which more than doubled from the same quarter in 2022, raising concerns that shoppers may be tired of the sneakers. Uh, thoughts of Nike, which had been marking down its shoes to work off surplus, were probably at the forefront of investors' minds. But at the moment, uh, Barron says, On is no Nike. Inventory, which includes highly anticipated new sneakers and gear, fell 6% quarter over quarter, while On's direct-to-consumer business surged nearly 55% in the quarter. Even wholesale partners, partners like Nordstrom's um, have noted that shoppers have been clamoring for On products, discounts, even for previous year models, remain slim. Baronsfield's growth should continue, and not just because of ads featuring, featuring Federer and top-ranked tennis player uh, Iga Switek. On Shoes, which account for some 90% of its business, are growing in popularity with serious athletes as well as weekend warriors, along with its new apparel and accessory lines. And while North America accounts for 60% of its business, On has been expanding its presence in markets like Asia, where sales have nearly doubled. Ons valuation. It trades at 41 times forward earnings, and that's certainly not cheap. Yet the recent sell-off puts us near its record low valuation of 39 times earnings and well below the nearly 250 times earnings it has averaged since going public in 2021. I'm going to turn it over
1: to Brad to give us some more thoughts and insights. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Keith. Good morning, everyone. There's no rest for the weary in these markets, especially bonds. The volatility in the bond market as equities look actually sane. However, we have to watch out because if rates keep going up now even on the longer end of the curve, the equity market may have a real wake-up call. So we have to keep an eye on this 10-year. Uh, I think that it might be a little bit overdone here, but let's definitely watch what's going on. Everything I've been reading, speaking to professionals in the industry, friends, uh, and and Recent economic numbers, including Friday's, uh, are all pointing to a stabilization in bonds. Uh, but Friday's action with the 10-year, with the 10-year yield down, with the 10-year price down over one point and the yield about 10 base points higher was shocking. I was hoping to blame that on an illiquid summer Friday. Uh, but this morning the bleeding continues a little bit. Uh, my bet is that the shorts are building their positions. And the algos are piling on to this short position. So, uh, hopefully we will see some stability as the week goes on if we get to continued, uh, if we get the continued economic reports that we've been seeing. Uh, as for investing, I've been suggesting for taxable accounts for a while, a barbell, a barbell approach of buying short-term treasuries with better than 5% rate of return, barbelled with 20-year-ish 4% municipals. On the munis, I'd like to see at minimum eight-year call protection, even though I don't think the Fed is anywhere near lowering rates. If and when they do, you don't want to get caught having to worry about reinvestment on those short treasuries or money markets or bank CDs or whatever you may be in. So for those, uh, and let's also t- uh, understand the reality here, that 4% tax-free is much better than 7% taxable equivalent yield in high tax states. So, You don't want to be too greedy, and that's a pretty nice rate of return to lock in. As always, uh, for this week, I expect the unexpected in the markets. uh, The roadmap has been and will continue for the foreseeable future to be blurry, but let's all work together to try and figure this all out. I hope everyone has a great week, and uh, I'll send it back to Keith. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Brad. That's
1: everything I've got.
0: Thank you for listening to Mr. Keith Landhofer. This podcast is available on most platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Pandora. For more information, please visit our website at www. Opinions
1: expressed herein are subject to change and not necessarily the opinion of the firm. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. The information presented herein is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide personal investment advice. It is important that you consider your tolerance for risk and investment goals when making investment decisions. Investing in securities does involve risk and the potential of losing money. The material does not constitute research, investment advice, or or trade recommendations.